Welcome to Book Pile Manager. This is Amberly with Sarah Kim and our special guest today, Mike. Today we are going to discuss The Shining from the Stanley Hotel. You guys excited about this? Of course. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> We've been here for a couple of days and just a listener discretion, there will be discussion of violence, domestic abuse, alcoholism, among many, many other things. So if any of those topics are not something you wish to listen to, then we recommend you skipping this episode. So I feel like we could probably get around those without them. Really? The whole book? <laughs> I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that said, The Shining is written by Stephen King and was written in 1977 and was published by Doubleday. It was King's third published novel at the time, and his first hardcover bestseller. It was, it was inspired by his experiences at the Stanley Hotel located in Estes Parks, Colorado, and his own struggle with alcoholism at the time. As many fans of King are aware, after his first two books, he was looking for a change of setting. He decided to move to Boulder, Colorado. On October 30th, 1974, he and his wife were the only get two guests at the Stanley Hotel because it was the last day of the season and it was closing for the winter. After an airy dinner and a restless exploration of the hotel, complete with a conversation with Grady, the bartender, King had the beginnings of the novel in his mind. Nightmares involving his three-year-old son helped to finalize the concept by morning. He cites Ray Bradbury's The Villette, Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, Poe's stories The Fall of the House of Usher and The Mask of the Red Death, and finally Robert Marsco's Burnt Offerings as further inspiration for the story. The plot is Danny has a special talent known simply as Shining. Jack Torrance is down on his luck and it must take his family up into the Rocky Mountains to be the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel for the winter. But isolation and ghosts have other plans for the family that puts them all at risk. So, and as just kind of further heads up, since we are recording at the hotel, there are going to be sounds that you may be hearing. Some of those may be guests. Some of those may be more permanent guests of the hotel because we are in one of the haunted suites today. Um, so, Sam, so can I tell a quick story? Yeah. We're sitting here reading today. Mike's out on the patio and I'm sitting here and I hear voices outside, which has been going on nonstop. We're in one of the haunted rooms. People are visiting the haunted rooms and there's a rattling of the handle and, you know, messing, just basically messing with the door. And then they knocked. And so I went, okay, I'll play. And I went and I opened the door and this kid Probably about 18, maybe 16, you know, around that. He jumped a freaking mile, covered his mouth. It was just like, no, it scared the shit out of him. It was awesome. They oh stood God. out there a little, and I just, I just looked at him and shut the door and came back to the room. <laughs> Said not a word. So they either think I'm a ghost haunting this room or... <laughs> <laughs> they just pissed off some old up. white woman, yeah. But yeah, that was hilarious. It was it was truly funny. That's okay. I realize with our current setup, we can't actually see if something happens to the closet that is supposedly haunted in this room. Well, do you want him to pull over and open do the door? Do you want to have it open just in case? Sure. Okay, we'll pause real quick. Okay, so like I said, we are in the Lord Dunraven suite. Um, one of the things that supposedly happens here is there is a closet within the bathroom that open and closes on its own, supposedly. Is there any other things that were associated with this room? Um, well, he, he, Lord Dunraven is supposedly seen in here once in a while. 
Um, I found a video on YouTube where somebody recorded the closet door opening or open, not opening, open, and the, a hanger was shaking. Shaking. This had been posted like nine months ago, and uh, I'm sitting here, and as I'm watching this, I'm listening to the elevator rattle up and down, <laughs> which is just on the other side of the, um, the, closet. the closet, and I typed in there, uh, there's an elevator on the other side of that closet. They actually responded. I don't think oh, you were around yeah. when I, you were there when I got the response. And they said, uh, yeah, but it was only one hanger. And I'm like, well, that, you know, that's not, it's not an aggressive rattling. Uh, you'll probably hear it throughout the recording because yeah. it does go up and down all the time. Um, but I will say this, this elevator does definitely give off overlook elevator vibes. Oh yeah. It's oh, described yeah. beautifully. <laughs> Do you agree, Sarah? Yes. Are you going to be very chatty or not so much? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Got to make sure we pick up your voice. But nothing's happening here with us. Okay. Well, okay. There is the 80% chance that the door was, was left, left open. open. 20% chance that it opened on its own. Okay. Because there was a definitive time that the door, the, the, the closet door was shut. I told Mike to shut the closet door because he was leaving. He shut then the bathroom door because the closet's in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And then he left. It was at night. I was in here by myself. There was noises, but it was the, you know, the elevator taking, you know, just yeah. building noises, especially an old building. Well, it's over a hundred years old for anyone who doesn't know this building was built in 1909. Yeah. It opened in 1909. Not yet. Yeah. 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 Well, then I stood up, I opened the bathroom door and the closet door was wide open. Went to the bathroom because I had to go. I went into the bathroom and went to the bathroom. You were having, oh no, you didn't read it. Or the, the, the epilogue or the excerpt for Dr. Dr. Oh Sleep. no, I didn't read the excerpt for Dr. Sleep. I didn't have time. Well, I could have because we could have yeah. recorded a little bit later. Oh my God. Well, we'll Is there, okay. Yeah, well, yeah we'll, we'll possibly get to that later. But anyway, um, then I called Mike. Did yeah. you shut the closet door? And he's like, yeah. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure I did. <laughs> I'm like, you sure you did or you did it? And he goes... Yeah, yeah, I have no idea, I have no idea. So we, we settled on 80-20. In, in my defense, you got me focused on the nightlight in the bathroom. Well, that nightlight has got awful. I know. <laughs> you distracted me from my duties of closing the doors, which yep. is why it's 80-20. Yeah, yeah. It could be 90-10. I don't know. Okay, okay. Which, this is a perfect segue then. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself? This is your first time being on our podcast and kind of you've well. spoken before, but this is your first like official participation. Um, sure. Uh, not exactly sure what you want to know. Okay, so like, what's your experience with reading? Are you an avid reader? Do you have you you know what's your favorite book? That kind of stuff. So my experience with reading is um, my my genre that I like typically is going to be true crime. Um, I am not an avid reader, but that's because I have to do a lot of reading for work. So I don't really get a lot of time to read for pleasure. Um, and quite frankly, when I do, I fall asleep cause I don't have to read it. That's, that's, <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a curse for me cause I, I want to read more, but my body says, no, you don't have to. Um, as far as, you know, relationships, cause Kim and I are talking about sharing a room. We are husband and, and wife. So, you know, not that's a big deal. Um, and uh, Husband and wife sharing a bedroom? I know. Oh, my God. I know. In our house, it's a bit helpful. <laughs> um, what yeah. about your favorite book? 
Do you have one? <sighs> um. Just so you know, that was Mike making those noises. Yeah. No. No. Um. I. I have. I have. I have a favorite author. Okay. So I like a lot of um Anne Rule's books, true crime. Okay. Um, she she wrote uh, uh, Small Sacrifices, which was one of the original Ted Bundy books, um, and she actually worked with him on the um, Suicide Hotline, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that so that would that would be my author genre, um, and I did quite like this book too. So I was gonna say that makes perfect again another perfect segue. So you've not really been a fiction reader. No. What did you think coming into Stephen King's The Shining? Did you like it? I did. Um, and, and one of the things for me anyways, is I, it didn't put me to sleep. Like <laughs> some of the other books have done to me in the past, um, which was very telling for me. Um, so that to me, that's even a higher level of likeness of the book that I, I felt like I just, I, I didn't want to put it down. Nice. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> you give me a little more there. You gonna give me a question? What did you think of the book? All right, just just clarifying. Oh, uh, this is the second time I read it. Um, I enjoyed it the first time I read it. Reading it again, there were parts that felt a little tedious because it turns out I remembered a lot from the first go around, even though it's been years. Um, I still like it a lot more than the movie. And of the Stephen King books I've read, which would be Carrie, Cujo, Firestarter, Pet Cemetery, End of Watch, it, I feel like there's others in there that I'm possibly forgetting. Um, I do think that this is one of my favorites from him, although I did really like Pet Cemetery a lot. Um, yeah, but... I think it's pretty good. Okay. What about you, Tim? What did you think of the book? I thought it was really good. Okay. I really, I really liked it. I have tried reading it in the past, and I, I couldn't get into the writing style he was doing in it. This one really worked for me. Um, I really liked the chaotic voice throughout all of it, and and you know you're constantly dropping into your a conversation within a conversation within a conversation, and and you know who's who's is it your crazy their crazy mind that's that's saying these things? Is it that the the outlet that's saying it? Is it you Overlook. know Overlook. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you just finished this book. I finished this fast. book. Yeah, very fast. The end of it last like fifteen chapters, very fast. Um but yeah, no, I really liked it. I liked okay. the writing. It was good. Okay. Yeah, I luckily I liked it too. Oddly enough, what I didn't like about it is the parentheses oh, conversations. I I didn't like that at times I got lost as to who was speaking and who wasn't speaking. And then there was this omnipotent voice throughout that I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be the overlook. I don't know if it was supposed to be like something more. Um, it, it like. It but I feel like that's the point. Yeah. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King, but I think that's a, a lot of the premises in any of his stuff that he writes is there is this underlying evil and you just don't know what it is yeah am i right you've read more of them um yeah i forgot to list under the dome and the stand as well um but yeah there's usually some sort of like 
benevolent. I not benevolent. benevolent. Evil. That's very much not benevolent. benevolent. Malevolent. Yeah. Malevolent. Supernatural yeah. like presence, even if it's not overt. Yeah. Um, typically. To be fair, part of the problem could also be that I was reading it on my Kindle, and sometimes the formatting in those kinds of situations gets very wonky. So I think the formatting was just like. I mean, it looked kind of weird on the book too. I'm the sure printed copy. So, Mike, you switched from reading to listening, just like I did, and I liked listening to it. I thought the narrator in the in the audi- audible book. Yeah, how did they a, handle like the parentheses? Uh, he just yeah. he would he would just you he would just slightly change the cadence or change the tone, and he clearly knew who was who. So he had cl- clearly gone through the entire book and marked who was speaking where, even if it wasn't overt in the story. Um, that might have made it easier to understand. And I, I was going to say, yeah. you, you might like the the, the audio book. Yeah, it was it was really good. Yeah, but really I, but I think I think for me, if I'd have just done the audio and not had the book in front of me, then I no, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been good. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Because you kept you kept because I tried. Flipping the well, pages I tried. I, I kept up with it for, <laughs> for the most part. Um, I got lost a couple places because you know I was tired. But but no, I I I really liked it. Um, for. For me, probably one of the things that kind of put me off is is um, the way he wrote Danny's character. I very much forgot he was only five. Yes. Yes, I was asking Amberly that. I was like, does he really seem like he's five going on six? Because he seems more like a ten year old boy or something. Right, but I think that was intentional. And I mean, they it, mentioned it, that yeah, he's yeah. very bright. That right. he's. Yeah. And, right. But I think he was forced into intelligence. Because he was hearing adult conversations all the time. And so yeah. his vocabulary was through the roof. And I think that's why Stephen King wrote the learning to read aspect into the whole yeah. story. Was to keep to keep him grounded in the fact that he is only five and you're not going to learn to read by listening to people talk. But if you listen to people talk, you're going to talk at a, a higher level than you would typically. Um, and he was true, and he was, but he he was hearing adult conversations, yeah, massive, massive adult and conversations, and the emotions of those yeah. conversations, yeah. Yes. and understand, and not again it, to me it was knowing just, what the emotions were, but not understanding the emotions, right? Yeah, just trying to remind myself that this is supposed to be a five year old kid, and sometimes it's like wow, it just his his abilities and just beyond his years. And really, I I was questioning why he had to be five slash six. Other than delaying the whole red rum thing, yeah, yeah, I feel like that was the only reason why he had to actually really truly be at that age. Well, is but I to... think, and, and there's points in this book where he, when you're here, you tour the hotel in some way, shape, or form if you choose to, and they tell you the stories. And the stories they tell you is that Stephen King and his wife ate in the empty dining room. Um, they. Uh, Stayed in 217. Stayed in 217. He saw the old-fashioned uh, fire extinguishers here, which mm-hmm. are the long ropes and all right. of that. He wrote all of those specific things into the book. And he had a and nightmare his about his nightmare son. was about his three-year-old son. And with I With those hoses. With those hoses. And so I think that's why Danny, he knew he couldn't be three. Three mm-hmm. was, is a little bit yeah, too young. Yeah. But I think he intend, intentionally, it was meant to be that, that the, um, the, the kid was going to be very, very young. Yeah. Um, but very, very bright. So, any other thoughts on Danny that you guys have? I mean, I do like that he he comes off as more mature, but at the same time, like with the hose or when he's uh, in the concrete tunnel, you get that very childlike 
like paranoia and fear, which it's like, I don't know, it just seems very spot on yeah. for yes. a small child. Or even like when Danny goes into 217. Yeah. And like just just that, that freezing. And then particularly when that's juxtaposed with Jack going into 217. And you can see where that child response versus the adult response. Well, I even like the fact that he, Danny, went to the door and and was just terrified, but wanted really bad. Mm-hmm. I like I think scratch and itch was what was yeah. what was referred to in the book. And but he left the yeah. first time. So I like that the author was willing to stretch that out instead yeah. of throwing him into two seventeen right off. You know, as soon as he started to get tempted. Because clearly the temptation had come along. We didn't know until the key was in his pocket. He was yeah. stealing the key prior to actually making it to the door. Yeah. And then he goes to the door. Then he has the key. Then he doesn't go in. Then he leaves. Then he comes back. He's stolen the key again. And then he then he goes in. And then he realizes it's all in the bathroom. And he's just like, I don't want to go in there. And then suddenly he finds himself at the door. And he's opening the door. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff going on that he wasn't really in control just to, so everybody knows there's a, people outside the door, like, constantly. Or ghosts. We don't or, know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we're pretty certain those are people outside the door. <laughs> they they like to stand in front of certain doors and take pictures. It's but honestly, yeah. our room, we've been getting a lot of traffic, too. Oh, yeah, it's just a lot of people in here today. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like to I think gab. they opened it up because you said the sign wasn't at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, well, It was but, earlier. But they put, they put it back. Did they put it yeah. back? I don't know if they put it to the side for whatever reason, but it was back in the middle of the stairway. Basically saying <coughs> only guests beyond this point. Yeah, Reg- registered guests. Yeah, yeah. registered guests are, are are supposed to only unregistered guests are supposed to go upstairs. But the registered guests go from door to door to door, and they stand outside the doors and they chat and they talk loudly. Yeah, um, and the elevator, like we said, is just right there. So yeah, a lot of noise here. Um, but yeah. So any other thoughts on Danny specifically? I actually I want to read the next book. So, don't tell me it's bad. I, I don't, I only read the excerpt. <coughs> and my struggle with it is it starts out potentially appealing. Um, and it, basically, we'll, we'll like short, short excerpts, excerpts. So, I'm not really spoiling anything for anyone. But if you want to skip ahead like a minute or two, you should be good. Um, it starts out where Danny gets up he's like seven or eight goes to use the restroom and when he opens the door the woman from 217 is sitting on the toilet um in his home in florida why does that bother you so didn't they move to maryland they did and then they go to florida um that's their first mistake then he he makes a noise and then he like panics his mom comes out um he admits that he used the sink to pee so he didn't have to use the bathroom, which is where, when you said earlier, yeah. you had that piece of the restroom. Yeah. Um, she then attempts to go, and though she can't see the woman, she can see hints of her having been there. And she, too, fails to use the restroom. She ends up opting for the sink as well, even though she didn't want to. Um, then it skips ahead, and he's an adult, and he has been moving from place to place and is an alcoholic. Okay. So it's a repetition of Jack's alcoholism but Danny is an adult and I just like okay so what, what I will say is um dang uh Stephen King hated the movie mm-hmm. absolutely hated it that's just a known and given fact um it's not particularly good no Stanley Kubrick did some really weird stuff with that 
Um, it, was, it was very 80s. Oh, it was weird. Well, he also just didn't do the story. He didn't do the story at all. I don't know if they didn't find think they could find a, a child actor who could do, you know, what Danny needed to do in that story. Bringing it back to what you were going to say about Doctor oh, Sleep. <laughs> the, sh- the movie Doctor Sleep with Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. was good. It was very good. Okay. Oh, I you really saw it? I liked it, yeah. Oh, I'm, so you're already familiar with the book then, story. You know me and my she's, memory. She's muttering that she doesn't really remember I don't it. remember, but I remember really liking it. And I, I guess it also depends on how faithful it is to the actual book. And and that my understanding was that Stephen it King is. said oh. he likes Dr. Sleep even though he hated Oh, okay. The Shining. The movie The Shining. Right. Yeah. I say the movie The Shining. You one of the things you learn when you come to the Stanley Hotel is that there was a TV show done, actually filmed at the hotel, that Stephen King has endorsed. He's given it his blessing and said he really quite liked it. It's the one that was playing downstairs when we were waiting for the two. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, that's that, the TV show The Shining. Didn't, I it seemed like a stilted parody, but... <laughs> As the people were saying, the acting is not great. They are known actors, though, but the acting yeah. is not great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only saw a couple seconds yeah. of it, but yeah. I was like, oh, what is this? No, he has endorsed it. He, he quite okay. liked it. Okay. So, going back to the book. Sorry, I need to get background. Oh, it's all good. So, we've discussed Danny. Um, so, I guess then the kind of foil to Danny is Jack. Which, you know, talking about the movie versus the book, the one thing I will say about the movie is Jack Nicholson clearly understood the source material because every time I was reading Jack in this, I was... Picturing Jack Nicholson's oh, I, mannerisms. I couldn't. Did you see Jack Nicholson? I did. Did not, you? Not I, all the way through, but I did. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't. No, that wasn't translating for me. Oh, it did for me. I, I could visualize. I could visualize why originally they had cast him as Jack in that movie. Yeah. Um, and then I could I could see that he had at least read some of the book and knew where the build was going. Um, even if the source material and the movie didn't quite translate, I could see that he had taken the content and understood, at least for Jack, what the slow unraveling is. Plus, Jack Nicholson just does crazy really well. So. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as story, Jack, um, just an absolute prick from start to finish. Just the worst. Yeah, but I mean, he was a child of abuse you're gonna excuse his behavior no no, no. I'm, I'm gonna say I, I think given the time frame this was written for which is in the 70s and heading into i mean it was 19 i think 1977 i said that it, it was published. published yeah 1977. yeah um i think looking at the lack of understanding of how Childhood abuse plays into one's own psyche. Generational abuse was become just becoming a thing. Yeah. So, so clearly Stephen King was was addressing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and the fact that Jack wouldn't have had that that understanding, and so yeah. he thought he was better than his father, and not actually truly combating what was the cause of his childhood experience, and instead just pretending he was better. Yeah, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting and it explained why he was such a jackass yeah (laughs) well and he was purely and and i don't think this came across what little we see of his father he's clearly a narcissist yeah and i don't really think his father didn't strike me sorry about that as a narcissist um so much you know his his dad just seemed like a 
you know, a, a drunk and, and an abuser. Um, whereas Jack was very much into his, his own head and thought he he's going to be the next great American yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah. The, the number of white men in the 70s who thought they were going to be the next great American writer. Um, my God. Well, that's because they were all raised on Steinbeck. So, you know, it's like they thought they were special. Yeah. So what did you think of Jack? Um, I think I took a different perspective. Oh, okay. What was your perspective? Um, well, I mean, you, you go from he lost his job because of his, his massive drinking. Um, he went cold turkey. Uh, you know, got the job up at up at the hotel, um, and and I and I you know obviously he was not drinking because there was no alcohol available, but I thought that he was trying really hard to engage with um, Danny or Doc or Dan, you know whichever um, name that he used for him, um, and and there was some there were some overwhelming times for him that you know he lost it, um, he he uh, that was with Danny. Yeah. He was an absolute ass to Wendy. Yes. That, I was going to say, that's where I, that's, he that's, loved Danny. Yeah. There's so, no, so, I mean, no so, debate. That's yes. the love embrace at the end. Yeah. That's what allowed Danny to get away is that yeah. love. Yeah. 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 His his marriage, no. His, no. his relationship with his son, yes. I think he had a better relationship than he than he'd had with his father. But I also think it's because the alcohol was not an option. Because mm-hmm. it had been an option, he would have been drinking a lot sooner Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what Stephen King was was skirting around, but wasn't really quite a thing in psychology yet, was the abandonment of the mother when a child is abused. That children become actually more resentful to the mother that never saved them, even though the mother right. was abused too, um, because they can't disassociate themselves from the love of the the parent, the abusive parent. Yeah. Right. And so they they expect the non-abusive parent to save them, even though the abusive parent is abused themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, and or I if think, they step in, they're going to be abused. So. Or they're going to be killed. Right. Yeah. And so, can so, they protect so. their child unless they, right, just continue to take it? And and I I would say in the seventies that was not a thing. Yeah. Um. Just from my memories of when we were, because I mean, when this was published, we would have been pretty young. I don't even think. Ten. Yeah. So, um, it wouldn't have come up. Even generational abuse was coming up more when we headed into into high school, um, and then spousal abuse and the effect on children would have come up after that. Um, well, and, my memory of how those things progressed in society, and and I will say I think the one thing that this shows and it took the time to show us was the fact that Jack didn't know how to have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was to be loved by his father so he could emulate that for Danny. But he never saw love to between... To a point. To a point. Yeah. He then never saw love between his parents. Right. So while he loved Wendy, he didn't actually know how to love her. Yeah. So he, she was she was screwed. And then she herself had come from... A weird relationship. Oh, an abusive family dynamic yeah, that yeah. maybe wasn't as physical, but was more of a verbal mental, mental situation. Yeah. Right, which um, is what she was getting from Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, their their relationship was so freaking unhealthy. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, all of the key things that you see with people with, with spousal abuse were there. Yeah. Her inability to leave, her having to rely on him. Her, you know, fear for what she can do to step in, especially for the time period. Yeah, she would not have been working 
yeah. in the time period. Her mm-hmm. job would have been to take care of Danny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. She, she did do some work, though. She did some work. Yeah, but it was supplemental work. It wasn't really, like, yeah, a no. career. And I so. think it was before Danny was born, if I remember. Before. Or she did it from home. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was, yeah, like, she typing. She was typing and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, not enough to get by. But. Well, and if I remember correctly, it was typing after Danny had gone to bed. So yeah. it wasn't even like he, he stayed home. Because he was still out. 40, $40 a week. She yeah, made. $40 a week. 60 for that novel that never got published. Once she put Danny to bed and Jack was out drinking, drinking and, and writing. Karav, you know, doing whatever he was doing. Right. She was typing away. Yeah. So she couldn't even, you know, work her job. Yeah. While living a life. She had to do that after yeah. the remainder of her responsibilities were done. And I think that's like an interesting thing about this book because it, I think, is an interesting examination of the 70s. Yeah. And the changes. You can see the hints of changes that are going to be coming. Um, but at the same time, there are still very much that darkness you expect from the 70s. Well, in my understanding, again, I've only read this book. I tried with it, but I've... I've it's, Stephen King has an, an exceptional ability to evaluate society. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was evaluating these during the time. It wasn't, he wasn't writing them and looking back past 20 years and, you know, right. what, what psychologists are already saying about this. He's writing what he is seeing at mm-hmm. the time, what he's experiencing in his own life. At the time that he was at Stanley Hotel, he was a raging alcoholic. Yeah. And was looking to change his life so he could come out of the alcoholism. Yeah. This, the visit here was part of that. Yeah. Um, which is why alcoholism was such a strong part of the, the book. Um, I mean, they talk about it here at the hotel regularly. The fact that he went, and when he couldn't sleep, he went and found the bartender, Grady, who is also the keeper, and kind of the bartender in the book. He's the mm-hmm. one supplying the alcohol. Um, on the night that he was here. Yeah. And Grady was telling him all the stories about... Mm-hmm. The hauntings here. The Stanley Hotel. Yeah. Uh, I do find it very funny, though, at the beginning of the book that it tells you this is not an actual hotel and it's not meant to reflect a particular hotel. And at this point, the hotel's been like, no, it's us. It's us. It's us. Yeah. We embrace it. <laughs> he was in this room. This is the room. You can rent this room if yeah. you want yeah. it. Yeah. There's um, a placard on the door. Yes. <laughs> the Stephen King. Stephen King suite. <laughs> yeah. The presidential suite. No. no. Presidential no. suite is different. I know. I know. Yeah. But okay. in the book, yeah. it's yes. the presidential suite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, technically, though, this hotel, the Overlook, not the... not. Mm-hmm. Not Stanley. Stanley Hotel. It's further out because it's past Estes Park. Yes. yes. Past Sidewinder. I don't know if that's actually a real town or not. Um, um, I think Sidewinder is. Let me look. Yeah. You guys can talk. Um, but yeah, so I, I find it interesting how much of the reality slipped into the book in terms of the description of the hotel, in terms of him and Jack. So Sidewinder is about an hour and a half from here. It's mm. further up if we were to skirt up the mountains. Instead Makes of going sense. Into where we went in the mountains, they're further yeah. up. Yeah, because it was like Sidewinder, then yeah. like forty miles yeah. to this Overlook yeah. Hotel. Because um, yeah, Stanley Hotel is much more. Um, it's dead in in the middle of Estes Park. Yeah, yeah. Not very okay. isolated. That's, yeah, it's not <laughs> isolated enough. Although it would have been pretty yeah. isolated back then. Yes. Yeah, but the the actual Stanley Hotel is is made up of thirteen buildings. It's not yes. just the hotel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is a compound. Yes. Well, and, and 
Because I don't think you know this. Uh, there is then another house that the Stanleys actually have that is... That was their first house. Was their house. first house further down. But actually, we would have passed it when we came back, and I forgot about it. It, it looks looks just like this, but it's smaller, and it's the same color. And oh. it has the same red roof. Yeah, okay. basically, Florence said, I don't have enough space to host all of Our the Rockefellers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I know and that. Yeah. they had to come out here because her husband had... Well, they thought he had tuberculosis, but he survived, and that's yeah. an unknown thing. You don't live till 90 he, with tuberculosis. Yeah. But he had a problem with his lungs, yeah. and he was recommended to come out here for the lung in the air. That meant they come out, came out here every right. summer. She still wanted to host. Right, when they moved out here. Yeah. It's, oh, no, no, they switched. They spent half of the year here, half of the year there. Um, and so he then built her this the Stanley um, so that their friends could come and stay during the summer with them and they would host parties and that's why right. there's a the concert hall. I love the story a, about the fact that he was actually lowbrow because they, they the, the Stanley brothers made their fortune. They were yeah. born into fortune. He didn't know that the proper thing, you don't have the bachelor men and the single women in the same building. And so when they first came to visit, all of the men had to sleep out on the lawn in tents. So you have Vanderbilts and 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 you know, just Rockefellers, all of these rich men sleeping in tents on the lawn. And there went, um, if you want us to come back next year, you need to build another building. And that's the the lodge, the lodge yeah. that's next yeah. door. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we got sidetracked by the hotel. Not yep. that I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> so any other like thoughts on Jack? I mean, I didn't really give any. Oh, what did your um, thoughts on Jack? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, with Jack, I don't know, he, he was, he seems like a tragic character to me. I mean, he's obviously not a great person, even from the start, especially with Wendy. But like Mike was saying, it's like, he got fired from his job for being an alcoholic and for beating that boy up. Um, but he did quit because he didn't, you know, he wanted to take care of his family and he was trying very, very hard. I don't know if he would have made it if he hadn't gone to the Overlook, you know, because... Definitely make it at the Overlook. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the what? No, I... I no, I didn't make it at the Overlook yeah. either because No, died. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, I don't really know if they would have made it long term if they hadn't gone anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it definitely, like, the Overlook just destroyed him. It's not even... I don't know if I want to say it's entirely his fault, but, like, it just... It was something that was kind of outside his control. Um, I don't know. So I feel bad for him. I don't particularly like him, but like at the same time, it's like he was vulnerable to the hotel. Very much he, so. The yeah. in the hotel. Yeah, whatever. It badgered was. him and yeah. just broke him down. And and I there almost was an implication that maybe he didn't have identifiable shining, but he had something equivalent to it. That it yeah, because Halloran couldn't figure out what was up with him. He's like, I yeah. don't think he has it. He might have something else. Yeah. So there's and kind of the like, implication that there's there's an, another. Well, and I think the opposite. That he, that he could be manipulated, not necessarily yeah. control it, but he could yeah. be manipulated. Yeah. But, and kind of an implication Danny had to get it from somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah. and Halloran said unequivocally that it wasn't Wendy. Yeah. He's like, she has the mother's equivalent to it. Yeah. Just yeah. the mother knowing. Um, not that she possessed any true, true special, special abilities. Right. But there was something about Jack that was off. Mm. Um, which then, again, leads me to wonder if there's supposed to be maybe a darker version of The Shining that maybe Jack had that made him vulnerable. 
if maybe alcoholism made him susceptible. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. this entire time that he's been fucking up on everything that he fucked up on, it was because yeah. of this darkness in him, not necessarily because of he himself. Because um, he talks about, like, particularly with the setting the timer. Oh, I didn't set the timer for it. I didn't oh, set the he, timer yeah. for it. And then it was... And by the end, end he, he said flat out, he, he reset the timer. And so that's when I was like, I wonder if it's supposed to be a darkness that just follows some people. And maybe he truly thought he hadn't set the timer forward. But, like, I think Danny, he was in denial about what well, he was in denial. But we also saw with Danny moments where Danny was like, I just did this. And there was the sleepwalking. And so, and I know that was more because he was in the Overlook and he was starting to become possessed. But it does make me wonder if he was vulnerable beforehand. And that there was some manipulation to get him to the Overlook. Along with Danny. Um, So. I liked the big reveal at the end that Tony was Danny. Yeah. I, I, I mean... I was expecting it, even though it doesn't come up in the movie, and that's my. It comes up. You, you it, it's huge in Doctor Sleep. Yeah. That that the Shining is him having the Shining is a, is definitely who Danny is. Yeah. Um, and th- yeah, so the the carry on movie, haven't read the book, um, is very much about him having that ability. Yeah, but yeah, I, I from the very beginning was like Tony, and I was like, uh, I'm betting Tony is just a variant of Danny. And sure enough, when he got to the name, Daniel Anthony. Anthony. And I was like, yep, yep. I saw that. That that one I felt like I saw it was coming. But I'm sure back in the 70s, that probably was like a moment for a lot of people. Um, I think it's pretty pretty done at these points. Um, But I did like it. I was going to say, I think I'd be shocked if it it wasn't him, though, right? I mean, he's a five-year-old. Who else does he have? To protect, to him, protect him, especially yeah. when his parents are so into their own. Yeah, because he's because he's because he, he's trying to protect Danny, right? Mm-hmm. Tony's trying to protect yeah. Danny. Um, I just became aware. I'm just gonna say it really quick. These these are like the ultimate boomers. These they, for all that they hovered around him constantly, they did nothing to, to yeah. protect or raise that child. Yeah. <laughs> you always think of those TikTok videos I send you where the the um, Mom pretends like what it would be like parenting in the seventies versus parenting today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're gonna drink from the hose? Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, you're eating dirt. Good. Yeah, that's 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 good for you. And then the current day, mm, let's go wash out your mouth. Maybe we shouldn't be putting unknown <laughs> objects into our mouth. <laughs> we grew up drinking out of the hose. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. hose water is good. Well, well, in in one, I wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna take time to go in the house. Yeah. And if I and if I dirty the glass, it was someone's gonna have to wash later, and I could just get the water out of the hose. So bingo, hose water it is. Yep. But anyway, sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, you did. You guys completely threw off my line. I'm sorry. Thought, so, I'm sorry. I do it all the time. Yeah. No. I'm She's done. very good at it. I yeah. am. Oh, they I know. Get, she, they does, get very she does angry. it outside of this. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm trying to think of what we were talking about before we got distracted. Tony, Tony being Tony, future. Danny. Yeah. Being the, the mature version to protect himself because he didn't have parents who could protect him. Yeah. I think Wendy thought she was protecting him, but it was a lot of self-preservation on her part mm-hmm. up until the very end where she was literally putting her body between. Yeah. I I have a hard time with Wendy. I don't like that character. Yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I, think, I think she's a perfect version of her upbringing. Of, of oh, her yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
her father, I actually think she was supposed to be a reflection of her father more than her mother. Yes, but I think her mother's putting her down for everything. And, yeah. And, you know, never good enough was feeds right into her being subservient to Jack and, and just not not a good relationship. They just They just didn't know how to have a relationship. Yeah. I did find it interesting that when she is in the truck with Danny and asks him, which option do you want to do? Danny unequivocally said, no, your mother is awful. Yeah. yeah. He would rather face a possibility of an evil entity, entity than, than, than his, his grandmother. grandmother. Yes. Um, yeah, and that was after he'd had all those, you know, dreams about yeah. the thing yeah. coming down yeah. the hall for him yeah. and trying to kill him. Yeah. It's like, yeah. still, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, rather brave that. Like, well, let's let's yeah. brave than that, evil rather than yeah. that manipulative hag yeah. lady. Yeah. And so I found that interesting because it, it, that told me instantly that Wendy never had a chance. Yeah. She just, she never had a chance to know how to be a mother. She never had the chance to know how to be in a healthy relationship. It made her vulnerable to Jack in all the worst ways. So my problem is I cannot see, is it Shelley Duvall? Yes. I cannot see, while reading this, I can't see Shelley Duvall. And and she was horribly miscast in the movie. Oh, she she was. was. Horribly. But people rave on it. Oh, you know, it was it was this unusual casting, but it was so good. I'm just like, where do you guys see good in this? Um, yeah, I will be honest. In terms of the movie versus the book, I do like Wendy more in the book than in the movie. Yeah, she just that she you get more I don't than remember she makes her. Sense. I don't remember the movie very well because uh, I saw it years before I read The Shining the first time, and then once I read the book, why would I want to go back to the movie? Um, all I remember from the movie is her screaming. Yeah. And like cowering. Yeah. I don't know if she did anything else. No, um, not really. Not not really. And they took so much of the violence out of the book. Yeah. That I thought was such a strong part of the book. I yeah. Mean, he literally beat her senseless and da- broke her. Yeah. yeah that was, that was the part I was telling Amberly where I, when I was reading it, I was like, oh. Uh-oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Sarah was making all kinds of sense. She was not enjoying the. Well, it's not that I wasn't enjoying. It was just like I could really. It was visceral. Yeah, yeah. very visceral. Yeah. Exactly. And and we're in the hotel. You can see the staircase. <laughs> She's trying to get up and down these staircase, and they're 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 a lot of steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, and at altitude. And at altitude. And altitude. Yeah, you're at seven thousand feet. It's yeah, it's harder to move. You've been bashed. Yeah, in the spine, the shoulder. The, they've got broken ribs. Yeah. You're you're tight. You're you're thinking that maybe the ribs are puncturing your lungs as you're yeah. you're trying to move. Yeah, no, it very visceral. But yeah, my problem mostly with Wendy is the fact that I couldn't get Shelley Duvall out of my head. Yeah, um, and the way she spoke in in the movie and and her saying "Doc" was so weird. That so so I could. I'm glad. So, right. So you enjoyed it better than I did. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't even know how many years ago it was that I that I've seen The Shining, right? But I I do I did remember the the Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and their characters. They weren't always in my brain when I was reading the book, but there was a couple times where they popped up. Um, and then one of the things that just really when I was reading the book, I just I just went wow. Because Wendy in the book is blonde. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it said one, jet black hair. Yeah, and, and I'm like, that is no, that's not who that's not who I had pictured. Right? But because he he put that description in the book, I'm like, okay. And she was supposed to be very pretty, 
very seventies, short skirts, long legs. And that was not Shelly Duvall. And people looking at her as she came into the room. She was yeah, and that is Shell and and in the movie she was dumpy. She was wearing wearing, you know granted it's 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 Colorado in the winter. Yeah, but they like made her like very like like down and out housewife in the movie. Not very yeah. And I don't know if it was supposed to be like a visual representation of her inner mentality from the book. I don't know. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't translate well, and you lose that that drive. Wendy did have to want to protect Danny, even mm-hmm. if she was incapable of it. She did have the fight, fight the yeah. desire. She just yeah. didn't know how to achieve it, and that's the case with a lot of women who come from abusive relationships. And I don't know. I feel like in the seventies. Women didn't have as much agency to yeah, act exactly. against their husband's wishes. So what was she really supposed to do? And at this time frame, she, she probably didn't have her own bank account. You gotta, you gotta remember, right. it was in the seventies. Yeah. Right? It was suddenly decided. Oh, what you can have a bank account that's in your name in our lifetimes. But this was to do with the military, a military bank. I was not allowed to have. I went into closing accounts at the bank, and the bank says you're not allowed to do that. You're not the active duty member. Yeah, um, it was my account. It was yeah. his account. So yeah, it's 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 impossible to run if yeah. you've got no money. Well, and then she could obviously in the book see that Danny had a good relationship with his father, yeah. and I think that was the big thing is is she could see how much Danny loved that she didn't want to be the person to take Danny away from his father. Yeah, but she should have been. This is a mother speaking, recognizing that the love does not outweigh the abuse. Love never outweighs the abuse. The yeah. child will eventually get to the point where they recognize that the abuse is the destructive thing. Yeah. And will destroy She was them. probably hoping, though, that the arm break was a one-time thing. Because then she quit. knew better. She she went back she was to that suspicious. arm break. Yeah, she went back to that She arm was break being optimistic. Way too many times. She, yeah, she didn't want to separate Danny. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it's just her lack of choice. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. She had, like we said, she, she never couldn't go back to her mom. She yeah. Had, oh, yeah. yeah. She well, had no one to well, go to her mom. Right, right. She, she could have went back to her mom, but Danny wasn't going with her. Yeah, he didn't want to go with her. Right. And, and she didn't exactly. really want to go back yeah. to her mom. Yeah. Anyway. The, right. But the point is, is that typically during that time frame, you go back to your family, which means you go back to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's not an option, there was no other option for her but to stay and try to make it work as best she thought she could. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I never really got mad at her for not doing more because I felt like she you was know, kind of I, doing yeah, the best got, that she could. I never got mad at her. It comes from my perspective. I would, I would, I would destroy the world to stop. I, I mean, it's something that we talked about early on before we even had kids. You do something, I'm gone. <laughs> Period. The end. You do something, I'm gone. And and he's like, it will never happen. Yeah, but um, if I do, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. You get out, I get out. I don't care which one of us goes. I'll I'll raise yeah. this to the ground before it it will harm the children that we bring into this world. Um, but I'm not. So nobody else just heard the handle wiggle. Oh, I think I did. What handle? I heard a handle oh, jiggle. Move, but I don't it know wasn't this one. This one sounds different. It sounded okay. like that one. Interesting. Um, so you know, go back in time when you're reading yeah, this yeah, and yeah. see if it actually picks up because there was a. Turn that handle right there. This one? Yeah. It was not That's, exactly like that. Yeah. It was right. more of a... It right. sounded more like actually like a closet. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. But 
Anyway, we were talking. Sarah. So, so okay. Guys. <laughs> I heard it. I, I'm telling you, I heard something. Of course something. you did. Of course. I really did. Exactly. I'm making it all up. But, um, again, we're... I, mean, I just feel like you can hear so, sounds translating to the wall. From anyway. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So but I, that one sounded to me like a oh, hell can, can we get back to this? Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. So, one of the things that I think played a very big part in, in the um, demise of Jack was his obsession with the basement and all the paperwork and all and, oh, yeah. and trying to figure out if he could put a book together and because I think if he'd have been allowed to just do his his play yeah and maintain the grounds just a second okay we are back because of course the cats needed to from the long distance be part of the podcast we <laughs> cannot get rid of them no so we were, we were getting updates on cats right as we were recording so I can't remember what we were talking about. Well, we were talking a little bit about Wendy. We hadn't really got deep into Wendy. We kind of fell into Wendy as we were talking about Jack and not liking her. Uh, me not liking her. You yeah. guys were much more defensive of her than I was. Well, and I brought up the basement and, and Jack's oh, yeah. obsession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I think that, that had he not had that obsession, that it might have turned out differently. Yeah. Um, if all he had to worry about was taking care of the grounds and, and you know, maybe working on his play because he never finished but it either. I think but, that falls into his narcissism. And, right. and like ambition. But, yeah. Right. But, yeah. But, but that lended to him having that. That was yeah. an outlet for him to go, I don't have to interact with with, with Wendy. Yeah. I don't have to interact with Danny. I can just go down to the basement for unsaid number of hours um, to the point where he forgot to So the underlying the story that I didn't like or understand was the whole all of these different people have owned the hotel for all of these years and there's all yeah, this there was nasty stuff it was like supposed to be really shady on. that Derwent had the hotel yeah. a lot and it's like no it seems pretty normal in today's day yeah. and age yeah. except for the fact that we have to keep in mind probably in the 70s well yeah they were doing they were doing what would be considered aberrant behavior in yeah, the hotel yeah and, so. and that wasn't like I mean you gotta figure you know mafia stuff that was gonna be the 50s 60s um, that's when Las Vegas was super big. I know, but and it just so wasn't... for the seventies, having this secret family that may still have a hold, and I think the implication I got from it is that Durant maybe invited whatever this situation is, whether it was him actually the being the dark thing. Or he invited it. Into well, did his he originally hotel. build the hotel? I think so. I think because it felt like it was cursed from the start. I think so. I mean, well, I think I think we were kind of going into either you know a secret society, Illuminati, uh, New World Order. You know, some of that stuff that was that was pretty early on. I think if it were written now, it would have been much more overt in the story. Yeah. Um, so, no, it was Watson's grandfather was the one who had built Oh, it. yeah, that's right. Because it just seemed to be bad luck from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we were, I think that's what he would, that King was trying to kind of write, but he was writing it from the 70s, which um, that was kind of, nobody really, you didn't have the internet. You, you, you couldn't couldn't search the Illuminati, yeah. couldn't search, you know, all of these um, secret societies that existed. And so that that was kind of the impression that I got. And that somehow Jack was kind of skirting, he just didn't have the money. He came yeah. from low means, so he wasn't able to be a part of the secret society. He just made a friend in the secret society who yeah. wanted to drink with him. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that was 
clear to me too yeah, how that was, how that whole relationship was. But, but uh, yeah, no, I think it was very much Al was rich and had secret means and different connections, and he no, found no, his drinking buddy. No, no, I understand oh. that. It's how did they ever get connected? Drinking, Jack, just drinking, just yeah. drinking. Yeah, uh, they yeah. think they both worked at the school. Yeah, they both worked at the school. But yeah, the application it, was pretty. Al, it was no, sorry, Al was on the board of directors for the yeah. school. I'm sorry. I was on the board of directors for the school. They kept meeting at things. Then after the events, they'd go, oh, let's go get a drink together. And then, and then they became drink. regular oh, okay. drinking buddies. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I forgot that part. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, it, but again, it's it's this, it's talking about this whole hotel. It just seems to me if you're going to have a secret hotel in the backwoods of Colorado is, is an odd place. I mean, it, it takes a bit to get here. It's, yeah. it's not. Yeah, but where, where else are you going to do all of your... Societies are up by Yosemite in California, but yeah, anyway. right. But Al knew because when when Jack said he was going to write the book, he's like, "You're not writing that book in my lifetime." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because I gave you a job and you're gonna you, this is how you. I just I me. think I would have liked that to actually develop more in the book. It yes, just kind of it was there and, and then yes, and then we, it kind of wasn't. We killed was. the bad guy. <laughs> At one point, as I was reading this, I looked up to Sarah and I said, oh God, now the costume in the movie makes more sense. What costume? So there's a scene in the movie where one of the hotel rooms opens up and there's oh, a guy the in a bear costume. No, it's a dog. Is it, but no, in the movie, oh. I first one of was a bear. I think it's a bear in the movie. In the movie, but it's anyway, a bear. Yes. And he's giving a blowjob to a man. And I was like, why did they include this? It, like, it never... Right came back up and never like translate. And so then I was reading the book and there's the dog costume and clearly Durant is homosexual or bisexual, what have you. I think he's bisexual. Yeah. ACDC. Okay, so that's, yeah. So it is a bear. Why that bear performing fellatio on that guy in the shining somebody yeah. says. It, so it it is it a is bear. bear in the movie, but it's a dog right. costume. Right. Or in this the is the no. dog suit scene. It, it yeah. might actually it's just a really ugly dog. To find out, I, so. yeah, no. Oh, here's a picture. It's a really ugly dog thing. Okay. Oh, okay, I think people are interpreting it as a bear. Because it's a brown. Did you see it? I have to put my glasses oh. on. <laughs> um, but I did like the fact that that at least was explained in the book. And <laughs> yeah. as to like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, Kubrick picked the weirdest aspects of this book to make in the movie. A 70s, 80s movie. Yeah. And oh, I, well, it's and, probably like that'll be shocking, so I'm gonna put it in yeah. there. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. It was Disquieting. Very much shocking and. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually having that explained, that always bothered me about the movie. I was like, why? And the blood coming out of the elevator, which was not explained in the book, but I think was just supposed to like represent. Because it didn't happen. Yeah, because yeah. it didn't happen in the book. Um, Again, it's just spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. But it drove me nuts. I was like, why? Why? Is there a person in a costume giving yep. a blowjob to someone else? And at least in the book, it made sense. Um, well, yeah. I don't because... know that I liked the representation because it very much created the idea that, you know, but bisexual... At the time, and, and he flat out says it in yeah. the book. These are aberrant behaviors. Yeah. Because then gay, trans... Well, all, even, of the, all of the all of in things. the very opening when he's talking to the Watson or the guy who's showing him around, yeah, yeah. he's talking about the homosexuals, yeah. And yeah. So, so it's it was, like there's multiple comments, yeah, yeah, o- throughout o- Omen, it. right? Omen, the 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 manager, his Omen, his, Omen. Omen. oh yeah, yeah, he calls him, yeah, oh, he was disgusting, yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it, but I don't think 
King was trying to perpetuate an idea of aberrant behavior. I think he was just saying, these are behaviors. Um, but because you have to hide in society from these behaviors because people are so, so judgment. You Colorado and you have an unmasking party. But I liked the whole unmasking. It, it, that party, he, he played that out really well. Because at first it's, oh, we're just having a, like a, a New Year's Eve party of some sort and the unmask. Well, then you find out you unmask and that's when the really cr- creepy stuff starts to happen. That's yeah. when the sex starts to happen. Yeah. Um, and people running into their rooms and, you know, and you end up with whoever you end up with. Yeah. So I, I thought that played out really well in the book. Yes. I thought it was interesting. And so this is going to be the end of part one. We are continuing this in part two because we knew it was going to take a while. However, if you are wanting to continue to listen, those episodes are coming out simultaneously. So you should be able to listen to it right away. Or you could pause and come back in a bit. Um, I do just want to let you know that our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can also support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.